Welcome to Millennials with Mikes, discussions about movies, politics, religion, and more. I'm Aaron Mason. And I'm Christian Stevens. Today we'll be talking about literature and authors. Yes, um, we have uh, three categories we're going into for today's uh, podcast. Uh, the first one, uh, to, kick up, to kick us off, is a few of the most memorable, beloved authors in history. Um, and I just have like a short list here. There's a few of the, the best, not personally, not necessarily my favorites, but just some of the better ones. Uh, Raul Dahl, for sure, is one of my all-time favorites, though. Um, he wrote the Charlie and Willy Wonka Factory uh, Adventures. Uh, Matilda, uh, oh, James and the Matilda? Giant Peach. I yes, he did. Yes, That's he did. Interesting. And James and the Giant Peach. Some of those um, very classic uh, children books that we all remember and loved. He and, also uh, kind of goes into. Uh, he could go into movies too because he did some. He did some screenplays. He did some screenplays. He did some television writing. Yeah, that's he true. He did one of the Bond movies. I know. Mm-hmm. Thunderball. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, multi, uh, I mean, if you're a writer, I guess you could just go into other things, too, not just books. I mean, you could do screenplays and stuff. Cormac McCarthy did that, uh, who wrote No Country for All Men, wrote the screenplay for The Counselor. Yeah. So, That's it goes hand in hand, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that makes I'd sense. say he's one of the most uh, beloved, iconic authors in history. What do you have, Aaron? Uh, my first one would be Arthur Conan Doyle. Nice. Um, obviously, uh, Sherlock Holmes there. I honestly don't know if he wrote anything else. I'm sure he must have. He probably has written a few little things, but Sherlock Holmes was his... Clearly what he's best known for. Precisely. Um, yeah. And that's one that's like, I've, I think we both read all of the Sherlock Holmes Adventures stories in stories, the yeah. complete series or in the complete Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. They're all, I would say, fairly intriguing. Um, some yeah, of them are obviously lots of short stories, several novels in there. Um, it, he did a really good job with those uh, with those characters keeping it interesting. Definitely, and Sherlock Holmes. I mean, that's you know, kind of like Bond. He's just such yeah. a fantastic fictitious character that's what we've had so many movies so many and series of... and adaptions and books it's just yeah. like you know it, it's an iconic thing and it's going to live on for generations and generations and that's yeah. definitely why he's one of the most memorable mm-hmm. authors for sure uh it's funny that you mentioned him best known for sherlock holmes because the other one i had on my list was uh lewis carroll who mm. wrote alice in wonderland and alice with looking glass which is by and by his biggest thing yeah uh, novel rise i think he wrote a couple of small little um novellas and uh short things but nothing that was really like rememberable of his but yeah i mean alice in wonderland that's that's Hmm. a classic yeah you know british uh fun child uh story that's also been done many times through different film adaptions and yeah you know, iconic quotes and such an imagination he had with that. I mean, Lewis mm-hmm. Carroll, he's one of those. He he mustn't have been sober when he was writing. <laughs> he's like one of those great musicians like the Beatles. He must have been on acid or some LSD. You never know. Tripping on mushrooms because, I mean, what a psychedelic 
I was trip. reading. I was just reading nice. about him, and um, apparently, in addition to writing, um, he was also a mathematician, photographer, and uh, mm. church deacon. Mathematician. That's interesting. Yeah. Church deacon. That's also very interesting. Yeah. Huh. But no, I mean Al- Alice in Wonderland. Both of them have, but um, Alice in Wonderland. You know. Lot, like you said, lots of adaptions. The famous Disney, both famous Disney mm-hmm. adaptions, of course. Multiple other independent adaptions to have n- having nothing to do with Disney. That's true. Um, oh, yeah. I think actually Gene Wilder, um, I think one of his last roles was in a made for TV adaption as the Caterpillar. Really? In Alice in Wonderland, oh. if I'm not mistaken. One I of his last roles that. was not his last role. I haven't either. He'd be a, he'd be a dope blue Caterpillar, <laughs> but not as. Alan Rickman was so good. Oh, man. May he rest in peace. That was like, I think his, one of his last two projects where he died. Yeah. Was still looking glass. So, So, um, someone else on my list, kind of, you actually mentioned the series um, Mm. when I was talking about Sherlock Holmes, but um, Ian Fleming with the 007 series. Now, he wrote other things, too. Yeah. Um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Is oh, one right. of the notable things right. that comes to mind. Um, so, James Bond 007 isn't the only thing he did, but it is probably by far one of the better known things. Um, mm. I put this on here because, not that I think he was just a fabulous writer or anything. Um, I am, I just finished Casino Royale, the book. Right. Casino Royale, which was the first James Bond book. Um, I have the rest of the Bond books on the way. He wrote 14 of them all together before he passed away. Mm. Some other people wrote some other Bond books. Um, so he wrote less books than there are movies, for sure. Yes. Damn. <laughs> he certainly did. Um, and it is interesting, though. Um, some of the movies actually... Um, like, two movies will cover one books. Like, what happened in one book. Oh, how like interesting. Like, Octopussy yeah. is a movie. The and Living Daylights is a movie. That's right. The book is well, Octopussy the living and The Living Daylights. That's right, that's right. And then, of course, one of the books, um, I think for your eyes only, was actually a collection of short stories. Hmm. That's where Quantum of Solace came from. That was one of the short stories. Had nothing to do with the plot of the movie. Um, but, yeah, so just interesting little things like that. Um, anyways, like I said, I put this on here not because I think he's just a fantastic writer he was good like casino royale the book was good right um i put it on here because i really think that his writing for a spy novel was really unique in the fact that he worked for british intelligence Mm -hmm. during world war ii um you know the character of m in the bonds was based off of his commander Hmm. Um, some of the Bond storylines, Bond himself, yeah, and things like that were based on Ian Fleming himself, other spies that he worked with, and things that happened with him or with the people he worked with in general. Yeah. Um, and to me, that gives a very different realistic feel to his works in spy books. Yeah. More so than whoever wrote Jack Reacher, Jack Ryan, the Bourne movie, the Bourne books. Not to say sure. those are bad books, but like they're not written by people who actually did what they're writing about, although they are fiction. Ian Fleming, though, he kind of 
set this the mm-hmm. literature stage for like there were some spy these. things before that but like his was the first commercially successful series uh-huh. i feel like that was actual spies like we think of them today yeah yeah for sure and i mean like i said like there's there's something to be said about you know fict- fiction or not taking some literary license there's something to be said about actually having done what you're writing about fiction or not yeah that they, um, it's rooted from the yeah. actual experience not just Pure imagination. Imagination, imagination right. is so important. It really is. Well, it is. And I've heard that Ian Fleming had extreme delusions of grandeur in some cases. Well, good. But um, good for him. So writing. did Bond. So did the character. Yeah. Um, I think it really did him well. So, hmm. who uh, who else do you have on your list? Um, for some of the beloved authors in history who is still uh, with us today, uh, Stephen King. Hmm. Um. Not by any means my personal favorite author, but he's a very iconic author. He's written oh, absolutely. tons and tons of great things. And I mean, there's hardly anything that he... Not trying to say that only good authors had film or TV adaptions made sure. from them. But it does say a lot, though, that... I mean, The Shining, Dr. Sleep... people Slee, bother too, period. Yeah. It, Misery, Carrie, you know? All these things um, that's been... That's been done. Mm-hmm. Um, our fantastic, Even. you know, pieces of literature. It, you know, he's he's one of those very imaginative, twisted visionaries who can write, you know, miles and miles of words and kind of go off the rails. <laughs> I think I've mentioned that before. He goes off the deep end with a lot of... And that's the only times where I feel like he <clears throat> kind of loses it mm-hmm. is when he can't stay on the subject path but his offness and the way he derives and goes mm-hmm. off i mean that's always material for because he he saw a big universe in his projects yeah so i mean those that's always a good ideas for like side calls spin-offs prequel books whatever if you wanted to you know kind of like how he came up with dr sleep for um the shining you know? mm-hmm. it was such a bigger world to him that he already had a you know a sequely type yeah. What happened after this going on? So, I mean, his his brain is definitely bigger than the pages that he puts on. But no, I mean... I think it is interesting, too, that, like, obviously he's best known, rightfully so, for um, horror movies, or horror in general, thriller, things like that. Mostly, yeah. He's um, done quite a bit of a but drama work, too. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. um, Shawshank Redemption yeah. comes to mind. is probably the most popular. The Dark Towers. Um, Dark Towers, that's kind of a sci-fi feel, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. Um, the Green Mile. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of very popular things out there that I feel like a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. are based on Stephen King things. Like, they yeah. wouldn't necessarily associate with Stephen King unless you told them. That's true. Um, even that um, 11-22-63, that, that James Franco miniseries that they did on Hulu several oh, years wow. ago, that's based on a Stephen King thing. How crazy. Um, so just several things like that. And yeah, he's, like you said, I'm sure a lot of the books I've seen of his are really big. And I mean, we've talked about it before. That kind of wanders all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it does. But I mean, yeah, it's fantastic writer, good stories. Yeah, many, yeah. Many adaptions. Absolutely. Um, the last one I have on my list is Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, of course. Um, you know, everyone... Quote the Raven. Quote the Raven, yeah. And that's, you know, the Raven is probably his most popular 
work, um, even people who've never read it mm-hmm. know that that's him. Um, you know, a lot of people may or may not know he was, he died under sort of mysterious circumstances when he was 40, I believe, in Baltimore. Mm, um, that's right. And part of that, part of what made him so popular in the long term, I think, was his death, maybe initially. I'm hmm. sure a lot of people might not know that now. The mystery behind all. And yeah. The, yeah. Um, I mean, they even did a movie about it called The Raven back, oh, probably 10 years ago or that so. Was a, that was a fun movie. It was. Um, John Cusack, uh, Luke Evans. Yeah. It was a good movie. Um, but, you know, I have the the complete works I grab and play one of those nice Barnes & Noble Edition, edition collection yeah. things, yeah. Um, read it, you know, a lot of poems. It was more than just, uh, he's known for horror and thriller and things like that. Lots of poems, lots of romance stuff yeah. in there. Tragic Very, love uh, stories. And that that is reflective of his life as well. Yeah, it um, is. Really just one tragedy, be it personal or romantic, one tragedy after, after another. Mm-hmm. Uh, very... Very tragic individual. Um, but all of his works are very interesting in one way or another. And I think that that's something that is kind of forgotten mm. a lot of times. That he was more than just horror. Like, a lot of his stuff was very moving. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, yeah, very much so. Well, was that the last of your uh, beloved authors? It is, actually. Okay. Yeah. Our next uh, category would be some personal favorites. And obviously all of these are kind of going to reflect some personal favorites to a certain degree. Since we actually picked these for... Yeah, that's true. But ones that actually hit more like to home, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Some of our like favorite favorites. So but, what, uh, uh, what do you have? Well, right off the bat, which I was going to put as... She, she, was, she is a beloved author in history, but... Also, one of my personal favorites is Agatha Christie, who wrote, uh, most famously known for her, you know, mystery novels of the Hercule Poirot uh, stories, mm, mm-hmm. both short stories and the iconic books of, like, Murder on the Orient Express, Death on the Nile, The Curtain, um, all fantastic books, which, I mean, I haven't read a lot of her other material besides the she ones. wrote so much she did like so much of what she wrote was ridiculously popular yeah but i always remember like just the writing and yeah the way she sets the scenes and i mean she damn <laughs> she wrote some stuff yeah and she's a fantastic uh you know murder mystery type author for sure and she wrote I mean, each of her books were just so different from another. They weren't just repetitive. Yeah. They were all such fresh, um, kind of like uh, the Sherlock Holmes stories. Yeah. You know, she can just write tons and tons and tons of these things. You know, I think it's interesting, too. Like, something I think a lot of people don't realize is really how modern she was. Like, I mean, she died in 1976. Like, I mean, I know that's damn near 50 years ago now. But, like, when I think of Agatha Christie and her I think things, like, that, yeah. I think of, like, Victoria, and I don't know why. Because she always like, kind of felt like that. Yeah, I feel like Victorian era, yeah. around or before Arthur Conan Doyle and the Sherlock Holmeses, which mm-hmm. were right around the turn of the century. But which I is what like that uh, inspired her yeah. to do Erku was... Uh, very clearly an inspiration. Very clearly, yeah. <laughs> but still a good and 
different character. I mean, so many people have been inspired by Sherlock Holmes, or you know. Yeah, it is. It but is. but yeah, it's one of those people you don't you might not realize was as modern as her her works were. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, pretty relevant stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of my personal favorites, um, a lot of people love his acting. He was one of the big comedy actors of the 70s and 80s, was a Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that he wrote. Um, he did In write, his later years, huh? Yeah, I mean, pretty. He didn't, I don't think he wrote anything until after he retired from the film industry. Um, That's right. The first thing he wrote, I believe, was his biography, Kiss Me Like a Stranger. Um, it goes through pretty much his entire life from childhood through just after Gilda Radner passed away mm-hmm. until his third marriage, I guess, or his marriage after Gilda Radner. I think it was his third and his last. Um, but yeah, it goes up pretty much till what was modern with when the book was written. Um, very personal, very detailed, um, Almost overly personal in some senses. A lot of people don't do that in their autobiographies. Mm-hmm. But um, I really enjoyed that. Then he also wrote three or four fiction books. They're all fairly small books. Um, you know, if you just sat down and read the whole thing from cover to cover, it takes two, three hours. Something oh, like okay. Under 200 pages, somewhere in there. Um, but the two in particular, he wrote more than this, but um, one titled My French Whore. <laughs> set during uh, World War One, and then the woman who wouldn't—that is my absolute favorite. Um, set around the turn of the century in Switzerland or Germany, hmm. um, actually both, I think. But um, both in a modern or in a semi-historical period with some historical figures, mm-hmm. um, but all very much fiction books. They're both very very well written um hmm. both very moving as well for being as short of books as they are um they really drew me in he had a lot of heart he you really know? did he did but that that's my first one interesting um my other one uh, may he rest in peace this is probably my all-time favorite is uh hunter s thompson mm-hmm. the revered american journalist um which i know a lot of people aren't familiar with him or his work, even though he's one of the more recent. I mean, he he passed away in two thousand five. Yeah. So he hasn't he hasn't been gone for that that long. But um, invented gonzo journalism, his own fashion of journalism, and uh, he wrote only. He did a lot of American, uh, a lot of articles, a lot of journalistic mm-hmm. things yeah. on the campaign trail of Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Um, had a lot on George Bush. A lot of political stuff. He's also did a lot of sports stuff. Um, really? Uh, oh, yeah. And oh, I didn't know that. Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. It's all in the Kentucky Derby, which is why he initially uh, goes there. Okay. He okay. also, later in his years, and he's not big on doing sports articles, but he did covers on Super Bowls and mm. other things. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that goes to the, my first favorite was Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. He wrote that and The Rum Diary. Mm. Uh his only couple of novels with in all the other pieces of mm-hmm. work he's done those two uh, he used um were like fiction non-fiction characters because i know the rum diary was like based off of his early life 
starting That's off right. in journalism. Starting off in journalism, doing a part in Puerto Rico, and he went under the for his character was Paul Kemp, mm-hmm. and then like in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Raul Duke, which Raul Duke was an actual alias he would use hmm. in his actual works no. when he would send out. Letters uh, okay. and stuff like That's that. That's interesting. Yeah, he didn't always go by his name. Now, in both of those movie adaptions, those characters were played by Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, that's right. Okay. Um, and it's funny. Um, they were very close. A lot of people think he, he's the only one who ever portrayed Hunter. But they did. It was not highly praised or received well. But um, Where the Buffalo Roam, before those two, was a film that was based on Hunter S. Thompson hmm. and his quirkiness and his... <laughs> acts and stuff like that more like a semi-biographical based movie mm. which was portrayed by uh, bill murray oh okay but bill murray's performance was more like a hmm. like a what's the best way to put that like a skit like he was doing an impression of hunter oh okay not really yeah being hunter kind of okay. like how Depp got into kind of like on a like doing a skit on saturday night live or something like that precisely okay. which is what bill murray was on oh okay for the longest time yeah but no, uh, Hunter S., I mean, he wrote so many brilliant pieces of work. Uh, Hell's Angels, um, The Campaign Trail of 72, uh, Rolling Stones. Um, but yeah, those two novels for sure, Rum Dyer and Fear Las Vegas, are some great pieces of work. Um, so yeah, that's one of my all-time favorites. What's your next on your list? Um, my next would be Thomas Harris, um, the man who wrote the Hannibal Lecter series. Ooh. He has written... Um, he is alive. He has written other books. He had a book come out just late last year, I think. Mm. Um, not related to Hannibal Lecter. Um, but I I put him on my list of favorites for the Hannibal Lecter series. So I have Thomas Harris on here for the Hannibal Lecter series personally. Um, there are four books. There are four movies. There are four books. Um, in chronological order, storyline wise, you have. Hannibal Rising, Red Dragon, Silence mm. of the Lambs, and Hannibal. Now, written-wise, they were written... Um, Red Dragon was first, then Silence of the Lambs, then Hannibal. And then, interesting with Hannibal Rising, um, Dino De Laurentiis, the man who owned the rights to the films... Or owned the rights to the character Hannibal Lecter... In the late 90s or early 2000s, um, he told Thomas Harris, this is really kind of shitty of him, but um, he told Thomas Harris, I'm making a movie about Hannibal Lecter's background, whether you like it or, you not. Like it or have input or not. <laughs> I wanted to do this, I think people want to do this, and I'm doing it. So Thomas Harris actually had to kind of rush to put together, like there was some backstory throughout, a sprinkled book. through... The other, the three books that were published at the time. Yeah. But um, not really enough to have a definitive, this is what happened in his early life. So he really had to rush. Interesting. To try to write one of these movies. Which, for someone with a personality like his, I would definitely go look him up. But, like, so did he write, he rushed this book because they knew they were to make it a movie? Yes. Or why not just say, do a movie, I don't care what you write about? Because it was his character. So he still he, want, he felt compelled. He felt to do, compelled okay. for the character's sake, for the series' sake. He felt compelled to that be he the had one. to write the yes, right, okay, which is completely understandable. Oh not yeah, fair, not fair of Dino De Laurentiis to make him do that at all. But um, honestly, out of the four books, though, it, you can tell it was a bit rushed. 
mm. when you're reading it, but like that's honestly my favorite book out of all four. Interesting. Um, Silence of the Lambs would be next, and then Red Dragon would be next. Hannibal, I didn't really care for at all, book-wise. Um, it's a good movie. They're all four good movies. It is a good movie, though. But um, my least favorite book among the four. But no, that's... Interesting. And I, like, I want to read whatever came out recently. He hadn't written anything in 15, 20 years almost. Oh, Jesus. But um, he's definitely a very personal man, very reclusive. Um, he just granted his first interview in like 15 or 20 years, shortly before this book came out. Christ. Um, he just... He's got some money. He's in his twilight years. He doesn't really need to bother anymore, you know? Yeah, I mean... Can't say I blame him. Any people with their... He's uh, pretty much retired and don't really have to do anything. I mean, yeah, you'll see a seldom thing here and there. You know, it's like George Clooney coming out with a movie. Yeah. He didn't really have to. <laughs> no. So, but yeah, I understand that. Who, who's next on your list? Um, one of the most uh, popular and relevant uh, movie writers of today who wrote his first ever book, uh, Cold Storage, uh, by David Coop. Sorry. Oh, okay. So introduce him first. <laughs> uh, David Coop, a uh, fantastic um, writer, and uh, he's, he's directed a few things, too. Now, what, uh, what movies has he done? Um, he's written such big movies like um, Mission Impossible, oh. Indiana Jones 4, um, Jurassic, well, granted, <laughs> but the Jurassic Parks. Oh, okay. He's also directed Spider-Man, the one with Tobey Maguire, oh, okay. War of the Worlds. Huh. He directed and wrote Secret Window, Ghost Town. Now, Secret Window was based off of uh, Stephen King, though. Yes, that was based off of a short story um, from a Stephen King novel. Okay. Yeah, that's true. One of my favorite ones. Um, he also wrote the screenplay for the... What's his name? Tom Hanks trilogy. Tom Hanks trilogy. Well, he did um, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, oh, Inferno. yeah, yeah. He wrote those two. And so okay. he's written a lot of big blockbusters. Yeah. And then he, uh, he wrote a book, uh, Cold Storage, which is about um, a, uh, a bacteria, like a bacterial parasite, mm-hmm. like a fungi that rapidly grows and is very infectious, gets into the pores and mm-hmm. kind of takes over the host's modem functions and mm-hmm. stuff. And like... Pretty much is like a spreading plague in a zombie-like situation. And the government, when they get a hold of this thing, keep it in a storage facility and like very, very cold, mm-hmm. cold storage yeah. for years and years and years before it, the, the temperature comes back up where it hmm. starts to spread out. And they have to contain the thing before mm-hmm. it actually gets becomes a worldwide yeah. issue. That's interesting. It's a very... It's well-written... I mean, he's made great characters in that book. It's so greatly written. He's so engaging, and like, it's hard to put it down. Like, that was yeah. one of the most brilliant things I've read. Hmm. And uh, since he is a movie writer, producer, and sometimes director, I could see a film adaptation adaptation of this. And I mean, the book is written to such a way. There's no reason why, from book to screen, you couldn't just keep it, use that as a screenplay, really, because. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to play with it. It's just yeah. it's brilliant as is. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. So uh, David Cobb, just for his first book, I'd say he's on to something, and I hope he writes uh, more stuff. That's cool. Yeah. 
the last person on my list, um, another person kind of like Gene Wilder, um, mm. very popular in their own right outside of writing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know that as many people know that he has written things. Is uh, Pendulette. True, though. True. Um, he hasn't written any fiction, to my knowledge. Mm. Um, it's all been non-fiction biographical semi-biographical things yeah. um god no is one going over i think the subtitle that is like god no signs you may be an atheist and other tales or something like that oh yeah um <laughs> every day is an atheist holiday that's a very interesting one um he goes over like all of the christian holidays and like an atheist perspective to them and what his family does and things like that and then some other holidays. It's very interesting. I could have an insight into that book. <laughs> and uh, then Presto about how he lost weight and then there's some other personal stuff in there too that's not just about weight and diet but that is the... He did lose some weight, didn't he? Oh, he lost like 200 pounds. Or something. Like he was a big he guy. He was a big guy. And yeah. he, uh, he got some health issues and he really, he changed his life. I mean, he, John Goodman did. Yeah, he, oh, he more than John Goodman did. Oh, really? But hmm. he, uh... Good for him. He really did Oh, uh, Drew Carey's a better example. He gained a lot of that weight back, though, Drew Carey. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, wow, poor guy. The last few years. Like, he's not quite as big as he was, but, like, he's... He definitely gained a lot of that back. Interesting. Um, hmm. Ben gained a lot, some of his back, too, but he's not nearly as big as he was. He's and he's still a lot older. He is older, like, Ben in his 60s. Yeah. Um, but no, Presto, there is... Like, just from the cover and the subtitle, you would think it was just about how he lost the weight and diet and things like that. And a lot of the book is about that, um, but a lot of it isn't. There's a lot in there just about his family and about him and things like that. Um, all three, very, very interesting. Um, and I would recommend all three to anybody. Hmm. He's, nice. he's a funny guy. So he's written just the three? Um, I believe so. Those are definitely the three main ones. I mean, he's still doing um, shows in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, I mean, whenever they... Uh, so he's still active in other things, too. Yeah, like, so. they have they only have one night a week off in that. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it does look like just the three. Um, he's written... He's He might have done guest spots and a couple other things. But, yeah, those are the three main. And That's cool. And it's one of those things, like, if... Um, if you're into audiobooks at all, I would definitely recommend the audiobooks. I remember that's where I heard it from, because you were playing yeah. audio for a while. Because he, uh, he narrates, or he reads the audiobooks himself, and he, I mean, his, Penn and Teller's act is as much comedy as it is magic, and he is just a funny guy in general without trying to be, and... He, he, he's a natural talent, natural comedian yeah. by nature, yeah. And just the way... You lose something reading it on a page versus hearing it from him. Um, so those are ones in particular. Like I read most everything. I'll listen to the audiobook while reading the physical book. I notice you do that, yeah. Because I like throwing away money, apparently. But like I just, <laughs> I find it more. I find it more enjoyable. I'm able to understand and follow through with it more by hearing another yeah, voice. and not getting distracted by hearing other things, hearing a dog barking outside or something going on outside. That's or... one... I don't listen to audiobooks, but that's one thing. Like, when I wake up in the morning and I have mm -hmm. my coffee and I read my book, it's gotta be... You know, it's gotta be quiet. 
because, you know, there are moments where yeah. you hear the trash or the dogs <laughs> and the yeah. barking, and then it's like, then you lose concentration for yeah. a minute, then you have to get back into, like... Where you were. You have to you go back a couple and lines and... Get back into the thing. And so that's like, you know, I'll... Especially now, like, I'll just put my headphones on and pick up the book and start reading. And see, that helps zone out everything It else. really does. I find that very helpful. Um, certain books, like the really non-fiction books, more so than anything else, if it's a fiction book, that's one of those that I have to just sit down, read it, mm-hmm. read it while I'm listening to it. Um, non-fiction books, I treat it a little differently. Like, I will listen to those in anywhere, anytime. Okay. I'll listen to it in the shower. I'll listen to it when I'm going to the store on my way to work, things like that. And when I'm home and want to read, I'll read along with it still. But like nonfiction books, I'll just read anytime, anywhere. Oh, okay. You know, on on the go, audio, obviously. And that's um that's I have what a I've hard time with. concentrating when I do that. It's very therapeutic for me. Interesting. Because like I really get into when I'm driving, I really get into whatever's playing. Like I'm paying attention. But as much as I'm paying attention to the road, I'm very focused on the music that's playing. And I find the same with the audiobooks. And, like, that's how I read all three of Pendulette's books. Yeah, that makes so, sense. But, you know, with Pendulette's in particular, I would definitely recommend the audiobooks for those. You have them on YouTube, so you don't have to go pay for them. Um, oh, right, 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 right. So, so yeah, that's always an option for those who want to yeah. do something via audio without paying for the... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, and that's the end of my personal favorites. I think you have one more. I do. Um... It's funny how some of these authors are known for just one specific thing. This guy, for sure, uh, Cairo Bonfiglioli. He was an art dealer, um, an aficionado. <laughs> um, he was an English art dealer. He was a magazine editor and a comic novelist. He was known for his eccentric writing for the Mordecai novels. Oh, okay. And so hmm. he wrote, there's technically five books yeah um he wrote the three don't point that thing at me after you with the pistol something nasty in the woodshed and then he wrote a prequel book on his ancestors called uh all the tea in china on mordecai's ancestors on mordecai so yeah those the first three were mordecai based on charlie mordecai all the tea in china that's a like a prequel kind of spinoff type thing and Hmm. uh which is pretty funny and then before he died, he was in the middle of writing The Great Mordecai Mustache Mystery. Hmm. Um, and he passed away. And then oh. one of his friends or co-writers or something like that uh, finished the book for him. And he did a really good job following suit with what Carl was doing. But what's cool is that he wasn't really an author himself. He was an English art dealer. And sort of like Ian Fleming, he... Uh, wrote these witty, eccentric, Pink Panther-like um, black comedy novels on an English art dealer aficionado, Charlie Mordecai. Hmm. And so they're very short novels. They're not very long at all. They're like maybe between two, 250 pages. Yeah. And so they're easy reads, and they're they're fun, and they're funny. Um if you're into, like, Pink Panther and that kind of, like, English slapstick type thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he's, he, uh, it's worth the read. He's, uh, he was pretty insightful and hilarious. <laughs> so, 
So um, that's it for me on my uh, personal favorites. So our last section here is um, books we recommend to our audience to check out. Um, before we move on into that section, I do want to um, I do want to say something about at least mine. I'm sure some of yours could be said about this too. Um, one of my biggest issues with reading historically as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, whatever, um, has always been finishing a book. Because, you know, when you when I think of a book traditionally, I think of something that's, you know, three, four hundred pages, five hundred pages, you know, some books are over a thousand pages for that matter. Yeah, um, yes. That just takes forever. And it, it that's a dedication. Like, you are dedicating to starting something, and it's like a big project. And that's how I am with, when it comes to watching a TV show, mm -hmm. reading a book, or any sort of, like, marathon-type thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have, even if it's hard to see it through, I have to see it through. Even when there's times I really want to put that book down because I'm mm -hmm. getting exhausted. Like, it took me a while to read because there are times yeah, where I'm just that's like... That's a big fucking book. And it was a big fucking book, but I also didn't want to start reading another book when I was in it. Yeah. And I can't do that. I can't read more than one book at a time because then yeah. I, I just, uh, my mind somewhere else. But no, I understand what you're saying. If you're, if it's a book that you feel like, ooh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be into this or dive into this, mm -hmm. it's easy for people to kind of like forget about it. And it's easy to be, it's daunting enough at times that people might not want to start Commit. reading novels. Or books because they that's what they associate with them and so i just want to for my part for most of mine i would say with the exception of the thomas harris books take those out the rest of my selections the ones that we've gone over and the ones that we're about to um they're all rather short like i would say i would dare say that with the exception of the thomas harris books all of mine if you split up the sherlock holmes ones Everything that I've said so far is under 300 pages. But I'll say, if it's under 300 pages, that's under 300 short. 350 pages. That's, that's as long as any of mine have been so far. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, I, I do think that's important. I think enough millennials, people of our generation, don't read books like they should. Oh, no. Um, it's, actually, it's pretty seldom to find people who actually enjoy you know a lot that is one thing for the older generations like that's that i do think that they beat us at just as generations as a whole on a case-by-case -case basis that's very much going to change of course <laughs> but um i think that millennials you know we're a lot of times very involved in reading this news on an app or on Same social media what's on twitter and or stuff. what's on netflix and things like that and like god knows we both do that too Sure. We on a on a normal year, which twenty twenty is not. In a, in a normal <laughs> year, we average about one movie in theaters a week. On average. On average, we watch. We both watch TV shows, things like that. So, like, we spend a lot of time with our eyes looking at screens. All the a lot. Um, but we both read. It's it's nice to find something in your day like people wake up and if all you can think of is like what's on the tv mm -hmm. you're gonna get bored pretty fast and you're gonna be kind of like sitting there lazy because like i mean because i mean like, that gets exhausting too yeah like just, netflix and hulu is a perfect example yeah like we all have our pet shows from these streaming services 
But like other than those two or three shows on each one, you, you're bored and you go and look on something. You're like, my God, why do I subscribe to this? This one thing yeah. that has a season for like three months. Other than that, I don't watch anything on this because it all sucks. Yeah. And like that's... So you have a bunch of streaming apps just to watch little things and a lot of these things. And, and that's, you know, that's nothing against the streaming apps. I mean, you know, you take all the crap that they have on there together... And you divide that by and 10 personality types, you're going to fill all of There's them. times where, like, with movies and stuff, you can learn something sure. from anything you watch. Uh, no, I think filmmaking and TV is a great medium yeah. for yeah. educating yourself, but if I, used in the right way. But people also need to just open a book and, you know, any sort of book. Even if it's, you know, for us, too, a lot of them are derived from things that were made into... Movies and TV shows, sure. but that's not necessarily how we even knew about them. Not always. No, that's not. That's true. But, but um, in general, just you know, turn yeah. a page other yeah. than just flip a screen. And so that's that is one thing I want to say. Like for anybody out there who's like, oh, all these sound interesting. I don't, you know, I can't commit to a book. Most of mine and some of yours I know are things that could be read. Like even if you just set aside like fifteen minutes a day, mm-hmm. twenty minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Most of these things are things that could be read and are finished from cover to cover within two weeks. Sure, sure. Just 15, 20 minutes a day, that's it. So mm-hmm. I, ju- I just do want to say, like, if that's what you're thinking, that is the type of person that I am. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's, we are mindful of that. Mm-hmm. What we're picking isn't just for that. It just so happens that a lot of mine are, and some of your are, coincidentally, yeah. shorter. yeah. Um, so, and I, I personally enjoy reading shorter books too because yeah. it's. I Re- mean, like you say, if you're gonna get a thick book like it yeah. or something like that. I remember when you read that. That shit was draining on you. It was. <laughs> it takes a long time. Yeah. And like reading all the short stories to like Sherlock Holmes and the Hercule Poirot. I mean, that's a bunch of bunch of stories in itself, and those are thick books. Mm-hmm. So I can understand if you want to find a book, but in a shorter one, that's a more easy breezy kind of be done yeah two weeks three weeks tops type thing yeah but um you know yeah just do it you know so okay moving on to the uh, third section yes our books we recommend for our audience to check out so and this is true regardless of the times i would say yeah and i'd say this isn't like not just for quarantine right i mean like these are books i would recommend to anybody anytime precisely um, this one I've read a couple of times, and the first time was an English class in uh, high school. The Crucible. Oh, that's a good one. By Arthur Miller. Um, it's a short story. Mm-hmm. It's not very long, and uh, but it's a fat. It's a fantastic piece of literature that's based on true events. Um, the Salem Witch Trials. Um, if you haven't, do read it. That's uh, a good one. Oh, look, you got a copy of the no, book right here. I do have a copy of the book actually, and um. It is very good. Um, it is, in, I think for this one, it's interesting to note that um, you're reading, I mean, Arthur Miller was a, married to Marilyn Monroe, he was married to a few people, but um, he was hmm, Marilyn Monroe's last husband. Um, they divorced before she Didn't passed know that. away. <laughs> but um, he was a playwright. He wrote, I think he did write some actual novels and things like that, but he was a playwright. When you read, mm-hmm. when you read The Crucible, you're reading a play. Oh, Okay. Like, it's not, like, you know, necessarily... That's right, because it's it's by characters' um, lines and... Yeah, 
And eight. like there's some That's true. You start out like act two, the common room of Proctor's house eight days later. At right, the right of right. the door is an opening on the fields outside. Like it's it's an opening to mm-hmm. a seat. Yeah. And then Elizabeth, what keeps you so late? It's almost dark. Proctor. We're out planting far onto the edge of the right, right, So like right. you are reading a play when you read this. Yeah, that's true. But still read it. It's yeah, so it's a good. good. It's a good book. Very um it was inspired by the McCarthyism of the fifties. Mm. People like like you said, it's based on things that actually happened. The people actually existed. But it was inspired by his experiences with the House on American Activities Commission that oh, um, swept through the country, swept through Hollywood yeah. um, a great deal. Um, Hollywood, New York, things like that. But but yeah, it, I agree. That's I never actually read the whole book. Oh, really? But, um, I mean, I was homeschooled. I'd, my mom was very picky and choosy. It's not that she didn't want me to read that. It's just that she wanted me to read something else more. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can see that. <laughs> Because, like, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird, there were several classic things like that that I read that just never happened to be one of them. Oh, yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird. That book sucked. It's a, it's a terror. I don't like The it. movie's good. The book sucked. Anyway. I, I thought they both sucked. We're getting off topic. Um, <laughs> no, the, the Crucible, the movie, it was an actual movie. Like, it wasn't a made-for-TV movie. It was a movie movie, right? Right. With, With uh, Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis Lewis and uh, Winona Ryder. And that, that movie is... Absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And like that's, movie. The Crucible is on my list of books to read. Yeah. Because I want to read how it actually goes down. But it's very moving. Yeah. Um, very, very sad story. Very sad. I, I love tragic <laughs> stories too like that. That's, yeah. That shit is nitty gritty. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing on my list um, is a nonfiction book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's one that I actually want to read. Yeah. It, um, I just got done reading this. Oh, within the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a collection of essays that he's written in various mm. National Geographic, Physics Today. I'm making some of that up, but shit like that. <laughs> it's a, it is a collection of essays that editors, that he and his editorial team took together and made into cohesive chapters that follow each other. Cool. Um, that it, 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 it is what exactly what the title indicates it is. It is astrophysics and physics, you know, the, the history of the universe in such a way that people without any background in science whatsoever could have a somewhat conversation about it and know some facts. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries, a lot of documentaries on... Physics, anthropology, paleontology, things like that. So I I know enough lingo to be dangerous for a lot of these things. <laughs> um, so I knew some of what he was talking about, but I, I am not a scientist by any means. Um, and I found this book very enjoyable. I found it very interesting. Um, I learned a lot of things that I did not know before. You know, the, one of the very first things he goes over... I mean, over, Neil deGrasse Tyson's quite a... He's quite a guy. I mean, he's, he's quite a guy. Very he's got interesting. A huge brain. He knows his shit. But um, no, one of the first things he goes over is that, you know, the universe started before the Big Bang. The universe started. It was one tri- estimated to be about one trillionth the size of a period on a piece of paper. 
Yeah. That's before the Big Bang. That's that's what was something smaller than an atom, just very randomly poof. Mm-hmm. And the universe existed. Like that's that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's I don't know. It, it's a very interesting book. Um, he, I thought it was, I thought he was very well written. Um, and two, to know that it was a collection of essays, to know that it wasn't just something that he sat down and wrote. You wouldn't have ever known, hmm. I think, if you didn't already know. Interesting. Because something like that could come out very choppy. Yeah. You know? And like, it, this really wasn't. This is was very cohesive. I've read books that are like that, where it's choppy with people trying to put together something in a book. And yeah. it's like, I don't know. So what? Uh, what's the first thing on your list, or the second uh, thing on your uh, list? Second one I have is uh, James from My Father uh, by Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is a memoir of his, and uh, I read this a couple of years back. You borrowed that from me, didn't you? I, I believe that I did actually, and um, it's the only book of his that I have read. Of course, he's only written two. So not I'm not on a bad no, track right 50%. now. Fifty percent. I can still just have to hope he doesn't come up with another one here in the next couple. Then of I got to start <laughs> picking up the pace. But um, no, I really enjoyed this book. It was very insightful um, on his uh, childhood and his mm-hmm. coming up his and his upbringings and how he got into politics and uh, hmm. living with a single mother and his troublesome. Uh, relationship with his father and it was uh it's wild it's um it's very sad Mm -hmm. it's a very sad book um it's very touching and you know president obama was he had such a way with words Mm -hmm. um i mean he's a very formal well-spoken man and uh it's you know that shows in his writing too yeah um especially this one um Regardless of, you know, political leanings, political leanings and viewpoints and stuff like that, he was a, you know, in my opinion, a fantastic guy, but also a fantastic writer mm-hmm. uh, too. There's not many um, former presidents or politicians in general who can mm-hmm. they write plethora of books. Everyone's sure, written sure. a book, but that a lot of it's just it. and no, not them are they not sell because it. people want to know some of the dirty secrets right. that happened while they were in office, and it has that. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton can write a book just because she's trying well, to win a campaign or because... Her last book was What Happened, talking about why she thought and she lost. It doesn't even sound like, oh, yay, I want to hear about that, you know? Yeah. But, like, Dreams from My Father, that's interesting. And uh, yeah. for presidents, too, to write something that, I mean... Even, especially before they were presidents. Yeah. Like, he was a congressman or a senator yeah. when he wrote that. And, I mean, that's not something that you see a lot of... Yeah. Senators and congressmen and stuff like that write about. And so, but he, I mean, and I don't think none of them had quite a past like he did. Yeah. He had an interesting story and an interesting life. Yeah. And it was definitely worth writing about. And uh, so I do recommend people give that a try. I mean, obviously, true story. Um, yeah. That is one thing that I want to read. Like I said, I think you borrowed that book from me. I got it from uh, a friend of my grandparents for my birthday one oh, year. Okay. Because I was into presidents growing up. Of course. But I never got the chance to read it. That is something that I do want to read because do it, read it, it and you have it. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's fantastic. Stuff. You know, it's um, another president who wrote before while they were a senator, um, JFK. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote his thesis, I think, was Why England Slept, talking about the lead up to World War Two. Interesting. Um, that that is available. That was published, and it is available. Um, something else he wrote uh, before he was president while he was a senator. He wrote Why England Slept when he was in college, before he was in politics. Oh, wow. Um, but he wrote Profiles in Courage. Hmm. Um, it, it looks at a handful of senators from history. Up at, it was written in the early to mid-50s, I think. Um, it looks at a handful of senators before that, obviously, hmm. um, that regardless of party or whatever, Kennedy was a Democrat, he looks at people regardless. Um, but senators that, you know, courageous. They stood up to do things for what was right, regardless of what what people said they should do or what the party wanted them to do or things like that. Right. Um, and yeah, like a lot of a lot of presidents don't write until after, which is right. Which is always interesting because I mean, it, obviously people write to get money. Yeah. You know, that's or that's a benefit. They write sure. after. To sell right after, more relevant. Again, to make money. To get money. Because well, make money from the books. To make money from the books. And also be like, hi, I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. But like, to be a junior senator from Massachusetts or sure. Illinois, from sure. either case, that, you know, Kennedy, he didn't need any money. He, he was from one of the wealthiest bootlegging families mm-hmm. from the early 19th century. Hmm. Obama, he, uh, I'm sure he could have used the money, but I mean, I think that speaks to he something. He grew up in a very... Poor, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, regardless he of definitely picked up by the bootstraps to yeah. get where he's at. Yeah, but regardless of uh, wealth or something like that, I yeah, think to can. to be a senator, to be a young senator, like both of them were, obviously speaks to a drive and motivation, definitely and dedication, and I think that that can be reflected too in early writings like that. Hmm. So, anyways, what's next on your list? Um, the next on my list is God Know by Pendulette. Um, obviously we just talked about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the full title, let me pull it up here. Full title is God Know, God, No exclamation. Signs you may be an atheist and other magical tales. Um, obviously his books are about religion, um, atheism but his view on religion as a whole not mm-hmm. just christianity okay um you know definitely i would recommend this to anybody um you know i'm looking on the back of the book here um glenn beck okay. wrote a review i mean someone conservative and mm-hmm. i would assume christian like that um said it was funny provocative and profane Interesting. richard dawkins lawrence o'donnell Several nice. other people uh, spoke very highly of the book. I very much enjoyed this book. <laughs> um, it's broken down instead of chapters. It's broken down into commandments. There's <laughs> ten commandments, obviously. <laughs> he talks about various things in each of them. Um, regardless of your faith, quite the questioning of your faith, or the definitiveness of it, or the lack thereof. Faith, lack of faith at least. Um, very interesting book. I would recommend it to anybody. Hmm. What's uh what's last on your list? Um the last on my list is uh Good Omens. Okay. Um Ooh, that was good. By Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Mm-hmm. Uh 
couple of English gents who wrote uh, another, what I would kind of say, it had like a Monty Python-like comedy to it <laughs> as far as the, uh, the uh, Crowley um, was the devil and Aziraphale was the angel. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had this funny, you know, dynamic duo of you know, trying to watch the Antichrist and doing, <laughs> you know, the devil's work and the end of the the end of the world apocalypse things, but in a very fun mm-hmm. way. Um, it was a fun miniseries to watch on uh, Amazon. Yes, yeah. it was, and uh, the very writing nice. of it was just hilarious. The characters are great, and um, I mean, there's a lot of philosophical, like in depth. Um, messages in there and Mm -hmm. um so it's not just purely comedy or a comedic book Mm -hmm. it's it's a drama too but Mm -hmm. um they did a brilliant job writing this Hmm. and i'm I'm not surprised it became a limited series on amazon um but uh it's an it's an easy it's an easy read um easy to get into and uh, I think uh, if you enjoyed the series, uh, you'd definitely enjoy the books. It's not that off. Hmm. And um, But regardless, if you have or haven't, I recommend you give it a shot. Um, it's not anything bashing or mm-hmm. joking on, like, beliefs and stuff. It's just taking, you know, biblical events and characters and putting it into a fun take, a more English mm-hmm. comedy take. Um, but it's definitely, uh, it's good writing. Hmm. So, and did you have one more? Um, I actually have two more. That was the end of your list, wasn't it? It was. Okay. We should have gone in the reverse order. Um, so my next one would be The Woman Who Wouldn't by Gene Wilder. Oh, okay. Um, out of everything he's written, this was by far my favorite. Um, again, it's a very, very quick little book. Mm. Um, set in, set at a health spa in Germany or Switzerland. I don't remember which. Mm, okay. Um, I've read this book multiple times. I absolutely love it. I haven't read it in a while. Um, but set around the turn of the century, um, there are some historical figures. Um, Anton Chekhov, I believe. It's not a, a Russian poet mm. or a Russian writer who actually lived there in the last years of his life. He had uh, tuberculosis. Hmm. He is a one of the prominent secondary characters of the book. Okay. Um, it's a very, very good book. Um, I don't want to give away too much about the plot, but um, this musician goes there to kind of just relax after having a mental breakdown okay. and a performance. <laughs> um, meets this mysterious woman, and there you go. If you want to know more, go read it. Interesting. Um, very, very good book. Very moving book. Um, I think one of Gene Wilder's Gene Wilder's best works. Is period. it a short story? I mean, or more like a novella. It's more like a novella. Like it, you know, it's a short, squatty book. Okay. Maybe 150, 200 pages, something like that. Um, I honestly, when I first read it, I was 12 or 13, and I read it in a single afternoon. Oh, I bet. I started it at like two and I was done by four or five. Five I was, years old? 
Just kidding. Oh my god. Um, I was just so enthralled with it, even at such a young age, and even when I read it today, it's it's still just moving, just as interesting. Hmm. There are some comedic aspects aspects to it, some drama, um, you name it. Cool. Um, and then last but not least is uh, Sherlock Holmes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a classic, and I tried to split these up. You know, something tried to recommend something for everybody. Two nonfiction books, two fiction books. Oh, okay. You know, astrophysics for people in a hurry, that's nonfiction science. Sure. God know that's nonfiction philosophy, religion, things mm-hmm. like that. The woman who wouldn't, I would really put that under fiction in the romance section more mm. so than anything. Yeah. Um, and then Sherlock Holmes is your fiction, your drama and adventure. So I tried to do something for everybody mm-hmm. with this. Um, Little detective stuff. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes, there's so much in Sherlock Holmes to read, or that you could read. This is another one of those things that I have, uh, one of the Barnes and Noble collection specials, collections of. Um, the whole book, the whole collection, the complete Sherlock Holmes, is what it's called. Um, the whole damn thing is a long... A thousand seventy-seven pages. Yeah, it's a big fucker. See again, one of those commitments. <laughs> I mean, you could always do a short story here and there. And see, drop it. Yeah, that's what I would recommend. So it starts out with a novel, um, a study in Scarlet. It goes in chronological production order. A study in Scarlet. Um, so it starts out with a novel. I mean, I say novel. It's, I mean, too. This it's smaller print, something like it that. Like, it's small. not giant print. It's. If you have a hard time reading, you would, or if you usually like need reading medium glasses. to large size, you would definitely need your reading glasses for this. Yeah. But um, with that in mind, being smaller print, it's 71 pages. Now, you could easily do the font up a point or two, and it would probably be 100, 150. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still relatively short. But again, I digress. You have a novel, A Study in Scarlet. You have another novel. Then you have The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes which is a series of short stories that the memoirs of Sherlock Holmes, the return of Sherlock Holmes, all three of those are short stories. And then, uh, his last, his last bow and the case book are short stories Mm. as well. There's three other novels in there, but, um, yeah, don't feel like you have to read the whole thing for sure. Go and, uh, that's a very daunting for anybody. A thousand pages is a big fucking commitment. Um, but there are tons of sure, there are tons of, uh, Short stories in there. Go, uh, go and read some. You don't have to have read any of the others to really have to know what's going on. They might mention some here or there, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you both saw that. But um, very classic. There's a reason that they've been adapted so many times. Oh, definitely. Um, the characters are very interesting. A little bit different, like regardless of how many adaptions you've seen, whether you've seen the Robert Downey Jr. ones, the um, BBC with. Uh... Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Johnny Lee Miller in Elementary. Elementary. Lou. That was one of my favorites, personally. Yeah. Um, or even going older back, like Peter Cushing or uh, Basil <laughs> Rathbone. Old school. Um, some of those went off the those rails from the book. But um, <laughs> regardless of how many adaptions you've seen, I mean, we've seen, between the two of us, we've probably seen four or five different adaptions. Probably, yeah. Um, regardless of how many you've seen, the... Uh, the books are different. How they are in the books is always a little bit different from the adaptions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I would definitely, that's, that's definitely something I would recommend for anybody. I've, that's I found it enthralling. So look at that. You were worried that we weren't going to have enough uh, topics to cover and we're already over an hour. That's what I like to see. <laughs> nice. So, okay. We hope you enjoyed this. Yes. Um, our previous episode should have been on evolution. Um, as of the speaking of this, I guess, we're publishing it tomorrow. Um, and then I don't know what our next topic will be. We'll have time to yeah. discuss. Might, we've done a couple outside of the movie realm, so we might go back to that. Trying to... We want to spread Get some it out. variety. Yeah. Yeah. We might go back to movies. We might go over some TV. Or something. Or we yeah. might go somewhere else. You never know. Yeah, true. That's the adventure with us. You never know what you're <laughs> going to get. Yeah. Either the tune That's in next uh, time. Like a box of chocolates, right? Hey, goodbye, everybody. Bye.